Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Going well. We've got a great conference going on here at Lifeway this week uh, with Dr. Rayner and some of his Church Answers guys are in, so been with them today and tomorrow, so it's been a good week seeing people from all over the continent here. Uh, we got some a couple of Canadian guys and some from California, some from around our area as well, and some from the Virginia area, so it's, it's been fun to kind of hang out with some guys that we, we've gotten to know over the last couple of years, and uh, been a good week. That's great. Fantastic. Um, it's a, it's finals time here in Wake Forest. So yeah, things are wrapping up. We'll be covering seminary graduations before you know it. Yes. Yes. Ours is next week. And, uh, but it's always a fun time. Spring is a fun graduation time because it's, um, it's just the weather's nice. You, you, uh, yes, we hope, but I mean, at least it's not, it's not freezing and, uh, some, uh, I know Southern Seminary does their uh, graduation outside. and Yeah, the pictures from there always blow me away. They're really, really special. And then for us, I mean, we're not doing it outside, but after, there's always a time when uh, everyone just lingers more than they do after the December graduation. Yeah, because it's not 30 degrees right, outside. Right, So exactly. it's just a, just a really fun time, and, and I know for uh, the other seminaries as well. But Well, kind of a light week in the news this week, but we got a great interview up with Matt Caps and John Mark Harrison of North Carolina. We recorded that when we were on the campus last week at Southeastern. So I got a great interview talking about the Young Pastors Network there in North Carolina. But on to the news, Amy. Big news last Friday dropped after we released our podcast, but the nomination committee report was announced. Uh, that comes from the chair, Jim Richards, the state executive over at the SBTC, and uh, co-chaired that was uh, Adam Greenway up there at Southern Seminary, dean of the Graham School there, good friend of the pod. Yeah, um, so this is always a, one of the hardest working committees throughout the year um, because there's just so much uh, to oh, do and, and every everything that they have to consider, it's just multi-layered. You have things that have to be, um, so you have to have so many lay people, so many uh, people have to have been in their state for a, a certain amount of time. And it's just a very... Um, intricate system and so a lot of hard work on the part of uh, of the people on this committee uh, but they nominate um, they nominate people to serve on uh, on all the boards for denominational entities for agencies um, and for any standing committees which typically is just it's the committee on order of business um, and then they nominate uh, for the executive committee as well so this is the report that will come before the convention um, in June at the SBC annual meeting to actually vote on and approve so that's it's not done it's uh, it's what they are recommending to the convention and the convention uh responds to the report as a whole. Um, amendments can come for one individual at a time, which would be like a, re- it would have to be a replacement individual, um, but that's pretty rare. And uh, so it, but it, it is an important thing. One of the reasons they have to release this so far out is so that people can look at it because that's part of our um sort of role in this is just to be uh, to be diligent people and to be able to examine that list and, and see what we are voting on. Um, so I've looked over this. I see some names that um, are familiar to me. Uh, others, maybe not names, but churches that are familiar to me. Uh, and uh, 
so it looks like it's um, a very full uh, group this year. You mentioned some names that stand out. There are a few. Uh, Clyde Metter, who's, I yes, think, you know, kind of an that. adjunct at Southeastern, is, is on uh, one of the boards. One of your fellow church members is being placed on the Lifeway board. Yeah. Michelle Branch. Yes. And uh, actually, uh, a couple of the names I recognized on the Lifeway board. Uh, Ron Edmondson, that's another name that people may know. And, and mm-hmm. also uh, Jen Landreth, the yes. widow of uh, David Landreth, who was the longtime pastor at Long Hollow Church here in the area. Right. Uh, it was, it was kind of nice to see that name on the list. I, I didn't didn't expect that one. And, you know, kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. Um, H.B. Yeah. Charles, uh, another name that many people will recognize on the board at Southern. Also renominated for a second term, Scott Pruitt. The new head of the EPA has uh, re-upped yes. his. I was wondering if he would uh, stay on the board or not, but he will be staying on the board. That's he good is. to see. Um, saw some that that I I know as well. Uh, Guy Frederick nominated um, on the executive committee. That's someone we know uh, from back in our days at Southern Seminary. Uh, he's a bivocational pastor in Wisconsin. Now this is an interesting one. So the, he's one of a group of nominees that are being recommended pending the approval to a change in SBC bylaw 18 to expand representation on the executive committee um, from four states and regions that are not, that don't have representation. So this is one of those procedural things you got to track with that we will, um, we will cover that bylaw change in the executive committee report. And if that passes, one, on Tuesday morning. Right. And if that passes, then uh, these names would be included in the recommend- recommendations from the Committee on Nominations. Um, but obviously, if it didn't pass, then they would not be a part of it. Uh, everything, I, I'm, you know, I, I think it, it seems like there's been a lot of discussion about this. People are really aware of the issues. So I think they are um, ready for these names to be presented. Um, but there was a, a name uh, that, that I recognized. Here's a little, uh, a little piece of trivia. The reason I know Guy Frederick is because he was um, a student at Southern back when we were there, but his wife, Kathy Frederick, I worked with for many years because she was at that time, the assistant to Dr. Rayner. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I'll have so, to ask you about that. You you will. Um, also, some other people for the executive committee. Um, a good friend, uh, Pam Reed from uh, Winston Salem, that I know, and then you already mis- uh, mentioned Missy Branch, uh, that is being recommended for the Lifeway Board, um, and uh, just did several others. Uh, but it looks like, as I said, a, a, a very good list here. Yep, A. B. Vines from out in California also nominated the ERLC Board. And uh, that, that's a name some people may recognize. He's, he's been on a few committees uh, and a couple of task force for the executive committee. So right. uh, just just some names here and there that, that people would recognize. Uh, one thing you did mention, the Committee on Order of Business, two people are rolling off. That'd be Rod Martin, who's the chairman this year, and Andrew Amber, who was a chairman last year. Uh, Tony Munoz and Tim Moore, the two nominees for the Committee on Order of Business. So, right. uh, but, but going back to what you were saying though, about the, the bylaw 18, so if some reason somebody were to get that bylaw discussion moved back in the schedule, that would like throw everything off, wouldn't it? It would, it would, and that's uh, that. That's not 
not really a good thing. So I think <laughs> uh, I'm sure they have it planned. The committee on order of business and the executive committee, everyone, they're all very on top of that. Another thing to remember is the reason this is, is a uh, shared when it is. is So uh, as we said, people have time to really look at this and examine it, but uh, there often are extenuating circumstances that there's a last minute uh, need to make a replacement. If someone resigns for a reason, if you know, illness, whatever, on any of these boards between now and then, um, we typically have always the, had the nominating committee to name those. There has been discussion the past uh, few years about that sort of in-between time. And so one thing that the Committee on Nominations uh, did last year, just the in-between time, the fact that we, yeah, when, when someone goes on the list that's presented that morning, if there are changes or, or additions, uh, there was not the time. Uh, to look at those. Well, they started last year sort of marking those names with um, an asterisk just so that when that bulletin comes out, it's very quick to see these were some last minute. And so that's a, a great way to communicate yeah. with uh, the messengers. So they just see those differences. Uh, so this yeah. is the list that we should see. If there are any uh, changes to that, it will be very clear on that day. Yes. And that was a good change. I appreciated that they did that. So, all right, a couple other uh, notes before we get to some state news. A bunch of news in the states this week. But uh, John Yates will be nominated again this year for uh, the recording secretary position of the Southern Baptist Convention. Spencer Plumley will do the nomination. This will be uh, 21 years, I think. Uh, he was elected 20 years ago during the annual meeting in Dallas in 1997. He's been on the executive committee for 20 years because that's a yes, that's an ex officio position right. on the executive committee. So John Yates is like longest executive committee service ever, I guess, uh, because <laughs> of his role as a reporting secretary. Right. He's definitely seen a lot. And then as recording secretary, he's not only seen a lot, he's written down a lot. Oh, my uh, so word. So he, uh, he would have some stories to tell for sure and um, can just probably draw a lot of connections that many can't. Um, but... He's a very uh, thorough recording secretary, very meticulous, does a fantastic job. All right, and this is the first of the month, Amy. You know what that means. CP. Yep, we're 4.18% above the year-to-date budgeted projection, uh, just under 1% below uh, last year, the same time frame. But we're still on pace to uh, be above budget at the end of the year, so we're, we're kind of moving through. We're, this is the end of month seven, so we've got five more months left. I Based on what I see how we're going based on projections and stuff from the past. It looks like we'll be comfortably above budget again this year for the cooperative program, which is good news. Big news up at Southern this week, Amy, and kind of neat that it's happening in the adopting and foster care month, but executive vice president at Southern Seminary, Dan Dumas, has been appointed to revamp the state of Kentucky's adoption and foster care system. Yeah, this was a really big announcement coming out of uh, Louisville and Frankfurt. Governor Bevan, who has had connections uh, to Southern Seminary and to the Louisville area is from there, has appointed him uh, for this. So lots of people were talking about that this week. He has uh, two adopted sons, Aiden and Elijah. This is definitely something that's close to uh, his heart. And uh, he also has a lot of experience in um, leadership and Served. I didn't even realize he had a, a long history in the United States Navy. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is uh, the, this is big news in the state of Kentucky. Yep, and we've talked about that uh, initiative and everything on the podcast before. So uh, congratulations to Dr. Dumas and all the best in his new venture with the state of Kentucky. 
Moving over to South Carolina, a voluntary early retirement incentive will be offered to some employees as Gary Hollingsworth uh, makes some changes over there. Uh, the more news will be coming out about that. That just came out from their spring board meeting April the 24th that they had uh, just a few weeks ago. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of follow the story and see where it leads and see if there's any uh, more restructuring over at the South Carolina State Convention. Yeah, and then another sort of, uh, I guess, structural change in uh, one of the states, Mississippi Baptist Health Systems in Jackson and Baptist Memorial Healthcare. And so this is in Jackson, Mississippi, and Baptist Memorial Healthcare in Memphis um, just announced a merger. Now, the Baptist Memorial Healthcare system is owned by, like a joint ownership of Mississippi, Tennessee, and Arkansas. But the Mississippi Baptist Health System is owned by the Mississippi Baptist Convention. So they're kind of merging together. Mississippi Baptists uh, will uh, take over that. They'll become the largest health care provider in the Mid-South and the largest health care system in Mississippi. So the systems began discussing the possibility of the merger back in September 2016. Now the Federal Trade Commission has approved that. Now moving over, uh, just a, a quick follow-up. We mentioned this last week on the podcast. Uh, Samford had a uh, pro-LGBT student group that was approved by the full faculty last week. There's a full write-up on that story. We didn't have a whole lot of information last week when we went to air and taped uh, last week's show, but uh, there's a full write-up in Baptist Press. So if you're interested in that and what's going on down in Alabama and the Alabama Baptist, check that out over at Baptist Press. And that'll pretty much do it for the news this week. Uh, uh, kind of a light week, Amy, uh, as we head into uh, into May, but that allows us to bring these listeners a uh, a great interview that we had about a Young Pastors Initiative going on over in the state of North Carolina. This week on SBC This Week, we have John Mark Harrison, who's the pastor of Apex Baptist Church, and Matt Capps, pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Apex, North Carolina, here to talk to us about the Young Pastors Network here in North Carolina. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. John Mark and I became friends when I moved uh, here to North Carolina from Nashville, Tennessee. We started getting lunch together. And um, just talking about how many young pastors in the state are not connected to one another. We just started to form a good relationship, um, eating lunch, hanging out, um, encouraging and challenging one another, and felt like this is something we should do for other guys. We need to figure out a way to get all these pastors in the room to to get to know each other and to build these relationships. And so um, literally, uh, what was it, three weeks before the state convention, we decided to host an event um, called the Young Pastors Network Meeting and um, reached out to a few publishers, uh, Lifeway B&H being one of those, and um, uh, a few other people to um, provide some some gifts and some other things to get people in the room. And uh, we just we got some guys around the table, um, asked about eight questions, and let them discuss those questions at the table as a group of pastors, and um, and uh, just to get to know each other. And and we had about a hundred hundred guys show up, hundred pastors show up, and uh, I think one of the Two of the most interesting things uh, that came out of that night was, one, when we asked the guys if they had ever been to a state convention event, I would say the majority of the room said no. Wow. Um, wow. Two, one of the questions we asked them is, you know, where do you get your resources, your training, your encouragement? And um, most of them mentioned places like Tom Rainer's blog, um, Danny Aiken's blog, um, the Gospel Coalition, things yeah. like that, but none of them were connected with the state convention or the local associations. I mean, I won't say none of them; a majority of them weren't. And yeah. so, um, part of that, uh, part of the coming out of that was they were asking us questions like, "How do we connect with the Southern Baptist Convention? What do you, what does the Southern ba- Baptist Convention do? What is this cooperative program? How does this work?" And so, it's allowed us to kind of coach and and inform these guys on what all this stuff is. Yeah, and for example, with that, I talked to a pastor who's going to his first Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting this year. 
and he was trying to figure out how to register and was just having all kind of problems because of his, you know, he needed to know the church bookkeeper's name or something and the, this SBC ID. This is the first time he's ever been. So he, he was just really struggling, just the, the logistical parts of that. So, and, and that's just for the official meeting. So I, I guess on the other hand, like a lot of people just don't have those connections already built, especially church planners that, that are maybe new to the convention or guys that are coming to churches, and, you know, first time that they're a pastor, they don't, they don't know the ropes of the convention. It's great to have resources like this network to allow them to do that. So, you know, what are some ways that you guys are connecting with pastors here in North Carolina? Well, you know, the whole idea was relationships and we really wanted to be certain that that, that these guys all across the state would be able to relationally connect with one another. And just even last week, we were kind of with uh, a group of young pastor leadership, young pastor guys around the state from different regions and talk about, hey, do we do we kind of create opportunities for relationships to form, which I think really has been what we've wanted to focus on is creating opportunities for relationships, whether it's some guys getting together on the western part of the state or or some guys getting together out towards Wilmington or wherever they may be, just knowing who they can connect with and having opportunities to get connected is really our only desire to facilitate those relationships and those times to get to know one another, to hang out, just to be with each other, whether that's using technology or face-to-face. Because I think the theme in the room over and over again was so many young guys feel uninformed and really kind of out there isolated, don't know where to look to get connected. Yeah, and so it – I mean, it sounds like it's a great tool for engagement, for people kind of being able to step in to being a part of things that are maybe even a little bit bigger than uh, than just their church or their spot, but the, these cooperative efforts. I like how uh, in the story, and we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to the story in the Biblical Recorder about this, you talk about, um, and John Mark, I think you were the one that, that said it, you said, we're not trying to build another big organization or event, but you want it to be a network in the truest sense. Or um, you said organized and organic, and I, I, I like that. Now, tell me, how, what's been the response? I know you said you've had these meetings. You know, the two of you, this is, is clearly meaning something to you all. Have you seen um, other people? Are other people kind of stepping up, getting involved? Are you sort of at the beginning? Talk through that a little bit. Well, I do think we're at the beginning, but it, the fact that people keep talking about it, and here we are yeah. months later, and we're, we're still still having these conversations, it's really being able to meet a need. And I know Matt's been to a couple gatherings, and folks have been asking, hey, what are we going to do? We don't want to take on another responsibility that's just trying to do the engine to keep things going. It's the organic part of it is like, man, if this is a need, let us help you get connected to other guys in your area so that you can have relationships. Because Matt and I became friends because we lived near each other and we feel the same on Mondays a lot of times. And, you know, we, uh, we, we're going through the ups and downs of pastoral ministry together. And, and, uh, and no longer is it someone to call across the country. It's somebody to call, you know, for us, you know, 10, 12, 15 minutes apart. Yeah. I would also add that, um, in connecting these guys in the state, we are building, kind of this organic relationship, but there's also we're organized in the sense that we want we want these guys to be involved in, in the state convention and the national, you know, on the national level. And so in the, I mean, you guys know how this works. I mean, a lot of times it's the relationships you form that, that um, and, and the conversations you have and, and the way you invest in each other that kind of flows into this, the convention structures. And so uh, we're looking forward to seeing some of these young guys step up and get involved in the state convention, get involved in different things around our state, and just taking some leadership. Initiative. So Amy and I both work at, I guess, what you would consider a national entity. So whenever you're in these discussions with 
younger pastors, how are ways that maybe even on our end that we can better engage uh, that you're discovering, you know, uh, maybe there's some things that they say, you know, I wish that we had more access to national entities about X or, uh, you know, resources. Things they don't know. Yeah, the things, things that they don't, they don't know. know like, exactly. What are some ways, I guess, that we can help uh, the, what we do and, and through what Amy and I do at our national entities or even at the state level, some things that they're, they're asking about, the, you know, the questions that, that are on the minds of young pastors across uh, North Carolina. I would say at the national level, if the entities will figure out ways to invest in the younger generation and facilitate times for them to get together and get to know each other, but also to resource them to understand how the convention works and what the entities do. I know the North American Mission Board is um, with John Aiken yeah, being tasked. That's, that's, yeah, that's a, a, good, a good start for that. A good start for that. I think um, a lot of guys had questions just about the Crawford program, like how is this money used? I mean, explain the... Uh, International Mission Board and NAM and yeah, that's another thing that we we've had Matt Crawford on and he talked about with their the CP catalyst that they have the regional catalyst. Some so there are some I guess there's some things going on in that direction. Yeah, and yesterday John Mark and I had lunch with uh, Clay Smith, pastor of First Baptist Matthews, actually my yeah. parents' pastor, and he was oh. up here in Raleigh filming a video with the state convention explaining the qualifier program. So the state convention is already doing things to to help equip this next generation to understand um, what these things are. Yeah, and so what you're doing in one sense, you know, as you said, you're not replacing that. You're not trying to have something new. You're trying to say, how do we get people together to know one another, to engage together? I don't I don't think the guys that we were with are particularly looking for leadership positions right now as yeah. much as they're looking to understand this big beast that is the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, a lot of us take it for granted because we, we work right. in it like day in, day out, like Amy and I do. And we understand the thing, but if if you're out, you know, in pastoring in rural North Carolina, or just in you know suburban Raleigh, or maybe suburban Charlotte, you know, the Matthews area, you, you're kind of out there at your church. That's your focus, so you're not really worrying about the uh, the, the bigger part, I guess. Right, and much. you you know about it through whatever mentor you've had in your life yeah. and what he's explained to you, or in seminary as well, or seminary, right? To it. And so there's there's some things that's great, and other things that's maybe that's not the the thought we want in your mind, you know, that would anybody would want, you know. So yeah. how do we how do we best explain to the guys of what it is to be a part of the Southern Baptist Convention and how they can carry that message into their church and, and explain, you know, how we can through the cooperative program impact the world with the gospel. So, so whenever you get that question, what are some of the answers you give? Well we talk about being involved, you know, at the local local, local association level. We talk about getting involved at the state convention level and that next question becomes how do I do that? And so, you know, whether that is uh, serving in in a in a committee position or just the support of of being connected through the ministry outworkings of that whether it's the Baptist men here in North Carolina or other ways you know there there are lots of many places to go get resources and and I think what we're hopeful the young guys will understand is that there are tons of them there are many resources right here in our own state that they can be a part of and to at least look there yeah. as they're considering what, what they may do. Yeah, and show up at, at events and show meetings up. and things. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that you say in the article, Matt, is uh, you, you say that the two of you encourage and challenge each other. And you say that, that a benefit of your relationship is that while you agree on primary theological issues, you have differences in ministry philosophy. And so part of this is the two of you modeling something unique here. Can you flesh that out a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, the first time we had lunch, uh, we were talking about a online dispute between two Southern Baptist leaders, and uh, we were just kind of bemoaning that, thinking like, "This is not how you do this." And and John, Mark, and I, uh, we don't do church exactly the same way. I mean, we we agree on the primary theological issues, the first tier issues. When it comes to third tier issues, like 
certain things we do differently, and that's okay. Um, we we both um, desire to see people um, come to know Christ and and to grow in Christ, and we're about the Great Commission. And when it comes to those things, that's you know that's our primary focus. And we wanted, in a, in a sense, to model like how can we how can we agree to disagree on some points, but let's just focus on the main thing and um, and model that relationship together in a healthy way for other guys to um, hopefully um, be encouraged by. I mean, I just add that if you walked in our churches, they'd be very different. But Matt and I are great friends, and so we've been able to to kind of persevere through the the minor differences we may have to say, man, let's get together and let's truly reach our community in this state with the gospel. And so we hope, I hope that um, that we can kind of see a day ahead where we truly are brothers in arms and partners. All right. So last question: um, an article that came out earlier this year that really has tugged at me. Um, I, I bring it up. I brought it up two or three times on the show was um, it was a Christianity Today article that was talking about Barna's uh, State of Pastors project. Now, it wasn't focused specifically on the SBC, but it was talking about sort of the um, the the Protestant church. And it said that the average age of Protestant senior pastors has risen to 54 and one in seven pastors leading congregations is under 40. So. We've got a situation where the the amount, the number of younger pastors is kind of dwindling. What what would you kind of say to that? And maybe the encouragement, because some of our listeners maybe aren't in the, that role, maybe students, you know, whatever, thinking about. Um, but I think some what you're doing here is something to sort of make that uh, a better experience or make that a very good thing. What What would you say about what we should do about that kind of crisis? I would start by saying, um, you know, I've talked to several guys. I'm 35, um, and so this is my first time serving as a senior pastor. And um, I was somewhat afraid walking into it. To be honest with you, I didn't know what you know. I didn't know what it was going to be like, and how I was going to be able to handle it. And and I didn't have all the the things figured out. But I found a couple mentors, some older guys, um, that uh, have have been pastors have been steadfast in, in their churches and I call them often um, but I just for me it really was you know I was looking at different options you know trying to pray through what does God have for me next and 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 this church came along and they and they were talking to me about being the senior pastor and so it was in some sense it was an act of faith it was like stepping into this believing that okay I'm gonna I'm gonna grow into this they're gonna give me the room to grow into it but I've also got good guys around me they're gonna help me. Um, and and mentor me, and and I'm just going to learn as I do it. So I think some guys are afraid to do it because they think they have to have it all figured out before they step into the role, and that's not the case. Most churches are going to be gracious enough to allow you to grow into the role. I would also say if you're an older pastor, um, find ways to mentor younger guys. Uh, so I had I served under uh, Al Gilbert, who's now at the North American Mission Board, in a pastoral internship for um, five or so years, and he would. He would walk me through different. He would take me to the hospital and let me sit in on counseling appointments. He kind of we did sermon prep together, and so I wasn't completely coming out of nowhere when I stepped into this role. I'd kind of had a framework built for me, and so I would say if you're an older pastor that has that ability, do it. Open up space in your life and in your church for young guys to come and learn under you. Like Matt said, I do think it's about the older pastors responding in, but we hear so often about how hard pastoral ministry is, and I think some guys sometimes are scared away because of that, but. But anything good's hard. Um, and Bruce Frank was that guy for me at Biltmore Church in Asheville. Just man, poured into my life and was a big brother to me in so many ways, and still is. But but man, it's it's a privilege and an honor and a joy to be called pastor and be able to lead a and shepherd a flock. And so, 
I, I just think we need to realize, man, if God's calling you, I mean, go for it. There's no greater joy in all the world. I know we probably got guys listening to this and going, I wish we could start something like this or, or you know, fellowship like this in my state, in my area. So we'll we'll get the, the contact information for you guys for that. But are you guys going to be in Phoenix? Yeah, I'm going to be there. I don't know if Matt's going to be there, but I'm going to be there. All right. Well, if you're in Phoenix, say hello to these guys and uh, find them and talk to them. And, and, you know, if you're interested in starting something like this in your state, get in touch with them. All the information is at sbcthisweek.com in the show notes. So uh, thanks, guys. Thanks again for being with us. That was a great conversation with Matt and John Mark. And remember, if you uh, have any individual questions about this, John Mark will be in Phoenix. So seek him out. And uh, speaking of Phoenix, I know this is the day we uh, normally drop the podcast, but we did do a special episode earlier this week, uh, episode 101. That is sort of our SBC preview episode. So instead of having to sprinkle everything through uh, a number of episodes, we put it all in one, talked about just the breakdown of the schedule, extra events, things like that. So uh, check it out. Take a listen. Yeah, we do have a couple more preview type uh, interviews coming. We're going to talk to Nate Milliken, who's a pastor out in Phoenix at Foothills Church, and uh, talk to him about like things to do, places to eat, that kind of stuff out there in Phoenix. And we've also got Steve Gaines booked uh, to come on the podcast here in a couple of weeks and tell us uh, about, you know, kind of talk through the, the schedule, through the uh, the president's panel on stewardship, uh, maybe get some more details on that and how his first year as SBC president has gone. So uh, excited to have him on the podcast. Looking forward to talking to him in a couple of weeks. Uh, that'll be airing uh, as we get closer to the annual meeting. But, Amy, that brings us to my favorite part of the podcast each week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go back to 1980. Uh, I've got a, a Baptist Press issue in the uh, show notes. And you want to go to the last story. Uh, so the headline is Plan Unveiled to Extend SBC Seminary Education. Um, and so it began uh, with a plan. It was a joint statement by the presidents of the six uh, seminaries. And they used the, the phrase, it was a bold new dimension in theological education. Um, so Milton Ferguson, president of Midwestern, was speaking on behalf of all the presidents. And they outlined a new division of extended studies. Um, now, this was part of the seminary extension department, uh, which still is, is, exists. It's a part of the executive committee offices. Um, it, it was already there, and uh, the Division of Extended Studies was kind of coming in uh, into that. It looks like, from what I can, from what I can tell, they were working together to set up extension centers um, through the Seminary Extension Department. And it's interesting. This this already said that that uh, the Seminary Extension Department currently at that at that time had about ten thousand five hundred students. They they did a survey from uh, 1979, from June of 79 to January of 80, and they were looking in the sort of pioneer frontier areas, uh, the northeast, north central, west, and northwest, and they wanted to make sure they got um, all the the educational resources and needs everywhere. So this was kind of a step that the six seminaries were taking to reach uh, sort of beyond their regions. Um, I was really intrigued. Now, I tried to do a little bit of looking to see if I could get more details on this program. Now, obviously, um, a few things happened. One, remember, this was May of 1980, so it wasn't very long. The convention was already uh, becoming sort of focused on some other issues at that point. 
Oh, um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then in a, a you know few short years, they were headlong into those issues um, as as they were you know kind of in the middle of uh, the controversy. But um, and then when you look, you know, you go 10, 15 years down the road from this, you have a complete change in seminary presidents and then seminary faculties. So I, I would be intrigued to see where in all of the things that happened, as well as all of the um, advances in technology and in higher education, um, ways that, you know, de- delivery methods uh, could kind of expand it seems like the the plans for this were very good at the time, and I would just be intrigued to know the steps from kind of there to where we got uh, to where we are today. But uh, I just found it kind of fascinating, and uh, I you know just just unique. But there was another story that jumped out since we're already in that issue because we've been talking about um, uh, about things like this on Twitter. We've been talking about people who take their honeymoon to the SBC annual meeting looking for folks like that. So there was this headline that caught my eye that said honeymoon savings and um, truck go for uh, church building funds. So it was this unique little story about some Southern Baptist churches in Illinois that were making uh, unusual sacrifices in local fundraising efforts. And as I got into it, I thought, well, I need to share this one too. Uh, in one of these churches, uh, First Baptist Bethalto, uh, one man gave $500 of his honeymoon savings for the building fund goal. Very nice. Uh, they they are, were making simpler plans. Uh, the, he was marrying a fellow member to help them. Another person uh, was planning to build a playhouse in his backyard and gave 39 pounds of pennies. Over $50 worth that had been earmarked for the playhouse gave that. Um, then the First Baptist Church in Springfield was also trying to raise for their building fund. And um, a woman gave three antique silver coins dated from the 1800s that she had been saving for years. But here's my favorite. An this anonymous donor dropped a gold tooth filling in an offering plate. That's, that's disgusting. It makes <laughs> I need to go. We need to go check out the First Baptist Church in Springfield, Illinois, and and see, you know, where what that particular building fund uh, was for at the time. Anyway, uh, and then the last one was someone who sold a truck and gave the proceeds, which is very nice. I've heard of things like that. Well, uh, but I, all right, so I got a problem filling, with this. A gold filling. I, I mean, how do you go with honeymoon savings and truck go for church building funds? How do you you talk about burying the lead? Right. I mean. And, and I mean, and even in the in the first sentence, honeymoons, playhouses, and old silver tell a story. No, no, you buried the lead here, Robert Hastings. Shame on you! You buried the lead. You yeah. go with honeymoon savings, comma gold filling, yes, or whatever. Shame on you, Robert Hastings. And the fact that the playhouse funds were given in thirty nine pounds of pennies, over fifty dollars. Well, Illinois. Oh, nice, nicely done there, Abraham Lincoln. Watch the West Wing. Yeah, you'll understand you're, that. You're right. But anyway, that's just sort of a um, extra because I didn't really know how to connect that with, you know, it all started this week in SBC history. Uh, But in some ways, uh, when the seminaries came together and said, we want to go beyond our areas, it all started this week in SBC history. All right. That's going to move us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is another Southern Baptist podcast, Amy, the Potluck Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Jared Cornut, J.R. Parks, and J. Allen Murray, the three pastors over in North Carolina. 
uh, became aware of it this week, and, and they've got about 10 episodes that they've dropped. They just started at the beginning of the year. Uh, it's kind of neat. They, they talk about a little church issue. They talk about a Southern Baptist issue, and they talk about a culture, like a Southern culture kind of issue. And they've talked about biscuits and cornbread and stuff like that. So, and like which type of barbecue sauce is the best. So it, it's been fun. Food mix. I, I caught up That's on a really fun. Things. So uh, they, they talk about, they talk about food more than I do, which I'm impressed by. Very nice. Well, I've listened to just a little bit of one. Um, I'm hoping that after finals are over, I will really be able to catch up. Well, they're in your area, so maybe, you know, you can have them over to Southeastern and interview them in something maybe later on. Fun. We'll get them in the studio and uh, have a mix, have a mashup. Yeah. Ooh, podcast, pod off or something like that. I don't know. All right. Your resource of the week, Amy, is? Uh, mine is another podcast. Is uh, a brand new one, the Adopting and uh, Fostering Home podcast uh, that is uh, sponsored by the North American Mission Board. Uh, Lynette Ezel, wife of Kevin Ezel, is co-hosting that with Tara Melber, um, and uh, that's that's pretty neat. So they're what they are are doing is just trying to encourage um, the church. In this, you know, the, the adoption and foster care ministry of NAM is kind of part of Send Relief. And, uh, these, uh, these two ladies have really experienced this firsthand. I remember, uh, back when all of us were in, uh, Louisville when the Ezels, um, were adopting overseas. Um, so this has been something that's been a part of their, uh, life and, and ministry for a very long time, part of the life of their family. So they have, uh, this very, very personal stories. And so this is very practical walking with people through adoption and foster care, talking about the sort of highs and lows, challenges, uh, things like that. All right. Well, that sounds like a neat little podcaster. It kind of fit with the theme of this week uh, with, uh, Dan Dumas leaving Southern and going to, to start that or to head up that fostering and adopting initiative in the state of Kentucky. It was a kind of a neat uh, little tie-in there with the yeah. resource of the week. So, Amen. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. We've got a lot going on still between now and the SBC annual meeting. Uh, probably, you know, we got another nomination this week. We'll probably get some more nomination announcements in the next week or so. So we'll keep an eye on that. But until then, we will see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.